Sup guys, this is Joe Blair, host of the Sports Gamble Ramble. I want to take a few seconds here to tell you guys about the Anchor app by Spotify. It is the app that I use to record and promote all of these episodes that you guys have been listening to. It's super easy to use. It's free to download. It uh, gives you the ability to edit and launch your podcast right from your phone or computer. Um, ton of upside to this, super user friendly, uh, and also gives you the ability to monetize your podcast and record nifty little ad reads like this so you know if you're ever interested in starting your own podcast or know anyone that is uh download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and thank you for listening what's up guys we're back with another one this is sgr20 uh same host every episode you already know um, today we're talking about the Denver Broncos. We're going to wrap up the AFC West. Tomorrow we're going to start the NFC West, get down on some Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but today the Broncos, you know, this is a team that I have a lot of history with over the last uh, year or so. For anyone who listened to William the Dog last year, one of my main takes going into the season was that this Denver team was ready to explode, specifically on offense. It didn't end up working out for me last year. It was one of my bigger whiffs in my uh, short gambling career here. Um, but, you know, I you got to own up to the losses sometimes. It's actually kind of funny looking back on it right now. So this is a team that I have some conflicting opinions on. Uh, this is really another one of those kind of um, football therapy sessions for me on this episode. I'm going to get out some stuff about last year and we're going to talk about, you know, really, I, I'm a little on the fence here still, but was I a year early on this Broncos team or do they just suck? So, you know, let's talk about it. They went five and 11 last year. Um, really frustrating for me. I took them over seven and a half wins. I felt like this was an eight and eight team, but they just didn't get the quarterback play. A um, lot of inconsistencies Drew lock you know, not taking that second year leap that I projected him to take last year. You know, my main reason for going all in on this Denver team last year was because of the way that they've drafted specifically on offense over the last four years. I really like what this team has done to to provide weapons for their young quarterback. Drew Locke just didn't look good. You know, the offensive line wasn't good. The timing wasn't there. A lot of injuries for this team. Last August, throughout training camp and preseason, they lost some really key contributors, including Von Miller and Cortland Sutton, you know, their best pass rusher, best overall defender, future Hall of Famer Von Miller, and, you know, young breakout uh, third-year receiver Cortland Sutton didn't play a snap for this team last year. So that forced rookie receiver Jerry Judy to step into the number one role as opposed to being able to develop, you know, at his own uh, more natural rate. And kind of, uh, you know, come in that rookie year as a number two option to complement Sutton's, uh, you know, more physical skill set. Judy's more of the route runner. So I really like the pieces that this team had, you know, if they stayed healthy. I like Sutton a lot. I love Judy. Uh, they drafted KJ Hamler um, in the second round last year. They took Judy first round, KJ Hamler second round. So uh, KJ Hamler, deep threat out of Penn State, getting Deshaun Jackson comparisons out of college. And uh, Noah Fant, they took in the first round, you know, two years ago. Um, so drafting Sutton, Judy, Hamler, and Fant over the last four years, 
to be honest, you know, we'll talk about it more in the fantasy breakdown, but it's one of the better offensive arsenals in the NFL right now. I would take this, this, that core set of four weapons uh, plus decent running backs that we'll talk about later against fucking 25, 27 other offenses in the NFL. I think this is, you know, a potential top five, top seven unit as far as explosive weapons. It's just, you know, can they get the quarterback play? Can they get on the same page? So enough about that. Five and 11 last year, uh, no playoffs, 12th in the AFC. The offense, again, not good. 28th in points per game, 20.2. 23rd in yards per game, 335. So not good. Bottom 10 unit. Uh, turned the ball over a lot, too. Like I said, Locke was not good. They had to play uh, a game without Locke due to uh, COVID, where um, they were starting basically a college receiver or a guy that was like playing receiver in the NFL, played you know quarterback in college at Wake Forest, but he ran you know one of those bullshit college offenses where he was basically just a mobile quarterback running some gimmicks and some options and shit, and that's just not going to work in the NFL. So you know, uh, really a lot of offensive struggles this year with some backup play at quarterback and you know Drew Locke basically playing like a backup when he was in at the starting position. Um, Defense 25th in points per game last year, so not good on defense either. Uh, I think this was a team that um, was definitely getting exposed in the run game throughout the majority of the season. Uh, like I said, 25th points per game, 21st in uh, yards per game, giving up 367 on the turf. And turnover margin, dead last in the NFL. Minus 16. Dude, that's bad. That's bad. Uh, that's I guess a sign for optimism this year that you're not likely to have a minus 16 turnover margin two years in a row. I think they got better on defense. I think they addressed the O-line and, you know, hopefully the quarterback plays better. So room for improvement. Like I said, you're not going to finish dead last in turnover margin two years in a row unless you're just a pathetic organization. And I don't think this is a pathetic organization. I think the depth chart is actually uh, a good one. Talk, let's side note for a second, because we're on the, the whole quarterback play topic, I guess. There was rumors this offseason before Rodgers reported to Green Bay that this would be a team that Rodgers would be interested in playing for. And, um, you know, I heard people saying that if Rodgers was on this team, they still would suck. And that's not true. That's fucking bullshit. If Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback for a team with this much young talent – Dude, this is a Super Bowl contender if they have an MVP at quarterback. If they have a Hall of Famer at quarterback on this roster, this team could be filthy. So that's why I was in on them last year. It's just I didn't get the QB play. So I just want to say that, you know, like if this team does have average quarterback play, I view them almost similarly to the Redskins right now, except obviously Washington has a much better defense. But what I'm saying is underwhelming last year, but a lot of talent, a lot of potential, um, you know, decent coaching staff. And, uh, you know, if they can get that average level QB play and just fucking stop turning the ball over so much, improve in that category, a lot of potential for improvement here. So coaching, uh, the staff's returning. Head coach Vic Fangio, former defensive coordinator from the Bears, had a lot of success there. Third year in his head coaching stint in Denver, yet to be determined really how great of a head coach he is. Um, 
this team's been underwhelming the last two years. But like I said, when you don't have a QB, you just can't win in the NFL. And that's really been the situation for Denver ever since Peyton Manning retired. Um, the offensive coordinator is Pat Shermer, who's had a long run in his NFL time, uh, coaching for the Browns, the Eagles, the Giants. You know, he's been bouncing around. He's a decent offensive coordinator. He's a guy that I do trust, you know, as an offensive coordinator, but not a guy that's going to overwhelm you. But, he, you know, he's a guy, so he's handling the offense. Uh, key losses, we're going to start talking about free agency for this team. And a lot of guys out the door this offseason – Main uh, name for you guys is A.J. Bouye, uh, former um, cornerback for the Texans and Jaguars. He came over to Denver, good player, uh, didn't have the best year last year out the door. They did replace him. We'll talk about him in the next segment. Uh, outside linebacker Jeremiah Atauchu. Uh, also left in free agency. We talked about him recently with one of our previews. Um, right tackle Jawan James is gone. Running back Philip Lindsay, a guy that was really good as an undrafted free agent the last two years for this team. He's a Texan now. Uh, offensive guard Elijah Wilkerson. Quarterback Jeff Driscoll, obviously a backup. Uh, defensive tackle Jarrell Casey, a guy that was great for the Titans. Uh, at the back end of his career right now, he's no longer with Denver. Defensive end, Demarcus Walker, and backup tight end, Nick Vanette. They're all gone, guys. Not a lot of big names besides Bouye and Atauchu and Lindsey, I guess. Um, key additions. So they lost Bouye, but they signed Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby at corner this offseason. And that, to me, is an upgrade. Darby, not so much. They actually paid Darby more than they paid Fuller. They gave Darby like a four or five year deal where Fuller's here on a one year deal. But uh, Fuller's better. It's a little weird that they're paying Darby more. But um, Darby's a starting corner in the NFL. He's just, he's definitely better as a two, maybe even a third option. And that's the role that he's going to fill for this team. So that was a good signing. Kyle Fuller has potential to be a lockdown corner, little inconsistent throughout his time in Chicago, but he's still young, very athletic, has been a number one corner at times in his career. And then um, a bunch of kind of underwhelming, you know, depth signings, but uh, backup running back Mike Boone, Defensive tackle Shamar Steven came over from the Vikings. Offensive tackle Cameron Fleming and center Brett Jones. So not a lot of big names there. Uh, they re-signed two players on this team that are worth mentioning. Strong safety Kareem Jackson, he's their starter. And uh, cornerback Nate Hairston, just kind of a guy on the depth chart. So let's talk about the draft and the trend of improving that secondary continues. They addressed it in the first round with the ninth overall pick, cornerback Patrick Sertan II. His dad played in the NFL for a majority of my childhood. Good player. Uh, I think he made a couple Pro Bowls in his time. Um, PS2, they're calling him uh, really a stud corner, potentially coming out of Alabama. Uh, he was the second corner drafted. J.C. Horn went to the Panthers the pick before. But it was really um, – you know, these guys were kind of looked at as the 1A, 1B of the draft at the corner position. I would have loved for Philadelphia to wind up with either of those guys. 
we ended up with Devontae Smith, not to make this about the Eagles, but I wanted one of those two guys, either J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan, because I think both have potential to be real lockdown studs. So they add Patrick Sertan the second to this team with Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby. Lot of fucking talent at that corner position now after, you know, basically only having A.J. Bouye last year. So I think they improved at that position. Second round, I really liked the pick. I didn't really love it at the time of the draft. I thought it was a bit of a reach, but aggressive. But they traded up to the third pick in the second round to take a running back out of UNC. His name's Javante Williams. I watched a lot of preseason football this weekend. And one of the guys I was most impressed with, absolutely, Javante Williams. Um, Melvin Gordon's on this team as the incumbent veteran starter at running back. But this team is going to be this is going to be Javante Williams backfield by the end of the season you heard it here first I know there's other fantasy guys talking him up this offseason but fuck those guys right um no Javante is really good I watched him run in the preseason like I said and he was making just great cuts go watch his YouTube highlights from week one uh just carving up that Vikings defense so uh to wrap up the draft recap they took a uh offensive lineman in the third round Quinn Miners um, I think he was uh, one of the higher uh, centers projected in this draft class. And he's got some amazing YouTube videos also. You should see this guy is like out there in the woods um, for his workouts, like training like it's Rocky Four up in the mountains, like lifting logs. And like this guy, when he does his fucking blocking drills, he doesn't go against tackling dummies. He blocks trees. <laughs> so he's a really fun guy to watch go look at some of his youtube videos of his workouts um he's a real throwback guy i hope he comes into the starting role for this team sooner rather than later i was actually surprised to see he's at second place on the depth chart at center right now um with i think cushionbury starting over him but i you know would love to see this guy bullying people he's a very aggressive you know, run blocking type center. And he's, if you can get a, a guy like that, that's just beating people up in the middle of the trenches for you. And he's, you know, in my opinion, from what I've seen, the kind of guy that can be a vocal leader, a charismatic guy that this, this offensive line can kind of build an identity around. I'd love to see that. It's just, I don't know why he's second on the depth chart right now. I got to look into that. I expected him to come in and immediately take over that starting center job. So it's, uh, it's something to look at there. Um, round three uh, to finish the draft, linebacker Baron Browning. So uh, let's look at what this team's going to do this year, right? This is like the part of the episode that's been giving me the most anxiety, right? Um, the strength of schedule is 27th. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. They have a last place schedule and they really benefit from it this year. So although they're playing in a difficult division with the Chiefs, Broncos and Raiders. You guys have heard me say over the last two days that any game, in my opinion, between the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders, all of those are kind of coin tosses on a year-in, year-out basis. Each of these three teams kind of fucking just beating each other up and knocking each other out in the battle to take that second place in the division and compete for a wild card spot, right? So um, three teams that, you know, have a lot of opportunity to take steps forwards this year. I've, I've said I feel better about the Broncos and Chargers than I do about the Raiders. Um, and it's just, it's funny because I, like I said about the anxiety, like, am I going to take this 
team. Uh, am I going to buy in on this team again two years in a row and and just get like I'm so snake bitten over last year that I've really I, this has been a mental battle for me. But you know what? I looked at the schedule and fuck it, guys. I'm all in again. Let's run it back. This Denver team, they're going to be better. Okay, I'm not going to call my shot on, you know, the Super Bowl future or taking the division or even the playoffs right now. I'm probably, I don't know, I'm a little squirmish, but let's look at the uh, the schedule because this is where it looks really appealing to me. Okay, the over-under is eight and a half for this team. And you say, well, this team went five and 11 last year. How do they win nine games this year? I, I've laid it out. I've laid out the case, guys. They've got weapons. If they get better quarterback play and they improve in the turnover margin, it's possible. And you look at the schedule, this team potentially starts out 3-0. Giants, Jaguars, Jets. That's great to build your quarterback's confidence. I don't know who's going to win the QB battle. Like, haven't really talked about that. I think Denver wants Drew Locke to take the QB battle. Obviously, he's got more upside at this point. Teddy Bridgewater, we kind of know who he is as an NFL player right now. Probably the safer option. Probably going to turn it over less than Drew Locke did last year. But this Denver team is giving Locke one more shot. I think it's it's his job to lose in training camp in the preseason, and they want it to work out for Locke. So let's say Locke starts the first three weeks and goes 3-0 and against the Giants, Jags, and, Bron- and uh, Jets. What a great way to boost his confidence. Might come back down to earth a little bit, Ravens, Steelers. Uh, then we got um, Raiders. That's a toss-up. Uh, Browns, tough one. Washington, potentially tough. Uh, Cowboys, you know, I lean Broncos there. Eagles, give me the Broncos. Chargers, toss-up. Chiefs, tough. Then the Lions, Bengals, back-to-back. So, okay. And then they finish with the division in the last three weeks. So, I know I just rattled the entire uh, schedule off, but let's break it down a little bit more simply. I see six give me wins on this schedule. Giants, Jags, Jets, Eagles, Lions, Bengals. Okay, that's six wins. I'm just calling it now. So this team only has to win three other games. Um, They have to go three and eight over their other games throughout the schedule. They have 11 games outside of those six. They have to go three and eight to hit their over. So if they just split... You know, if they if they split the series between the Raiders and the Chargers, there's two wins. If they go three and four in those games, that's the over. Also, maybe they sneak one up on the Redskins, you know, or the Browns, maybe. Who knows? You know, they're probably not going to beat the Ravens or the Chiefs, but or this, I think the Steelers will probably be better. But this is my point, guys. They only have to go three and eight in their in their other you know, questionable games to hit that over. So fuck it. Give it to me over eight and a half minus 115. The unders minus 115. Also, I'm riding it again, guys. I'm back in. Give me Denver. As far as the division, I'm not feeling it. Plus 575. No good. Conference won't have a bet. Plus 1900. Super Bowl plus 3875. We're just we're not taking this stuff. I'm not going too crazy on Denver this year. Playoffs plus 115 for yes, no minus 145. I just made a case for taking the over on the wins. I'm not as bullish on making the playoffs. Uh top of my head, they're not winning the division. And then the Colts are probably good for a wild card. Um who else is getting a wild card? Okay, there's two, there's three teams that could potentially make the playoffs in the AFC. 
uh, north. And I think New England is better this year than they were last year. You know, after watching preseason, I think Mac Jones is going to, you know, steal that job from Cam pretty quickly. I've told you guys Cam's done. Cam's so done. Um, so I think New England is better. It's just, I think, you know, this Denver team, maybe it's, it, it might be tough if they get in They're probably the seven seed. Right. But I'm probably leaning towards no playoffs for this team again. So that's my thoughts. We're going to go into fantasy boys. We're going to get the fuck out. Uh, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater both being undrafted. Drew Locke looked really good in the preseason week one, guys. This is just preseason week one, obviously not too much to get, you know, too hot and bothered about, but he dropped an absolute dime to KJ Hamler on a deep post for an 80 yard touchdown in the first quarter of that Vikings game. Um, I did hit a Broncos minus two and a half uh, cover on that, um, but I'm currently sitting at two and three on the preseason. So a little bit of a bumpy start. Uh, it's just week one. We're fine. Um, anyways, back to Denver, you know, Drew Locke looked really good. I think he finished with two touchdowns in that game. And uh, you know, if he continues to look that good, he holds on to the job. Right. So um, not being drafted in fantasy probably wouldn't take a shot on him. If you're in a two QB league and you can get this guy as your third, I think there's upside, but I'm not doing anything above that. Right. Um, I went in on him last year. I actually drafted him in a redraft league with my last pick. And uh, what did I do? I was taking him in a bunch of best balls, best ball leagues. Uh, you guys should look into that. I'm not going to explain best ball right now, but they're really fun. So, yeah, um, you're not touching lock in a regular fantasy league. Moving on, the running backs. Okay, this is a, this is a big conversation. I mentioned it. I think Javante Williams takes the spot from Melvin Gordon at some point this year. Javante is actually being drafted around earlier than Melvin Gordon, even though Gordon is technically the starter right now going into week one. I just don't think he holds on to the job that long. If you look at the metrics – of uh, the, the statistics of, of situations like this where um, there is a veteran running back and then the team drafts a running back in the second round. If you look at how that situation plays out over the time, over time, it's overwhelming uh, how much more successful the rookie quarterback or uh, running back, the rookie running back is compared to the veteran. It is almost a proven thing that in situations identical to this, the rookie running back, Javante Williams, in this situation would overtake Melvin Gordon by the end of the season, have more top 20 RB finishes, and steal the job outright. So that's where I'm at with this. I definitely think Javante is talented enough. I think Melvin Gordon's coming at the end of his run. He shouldn't have held out in San Diego. Any running back ever, don't hold out, guys. Don't hold out. It will be the end of your career. Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon, good job, guys. Um... That's it. So uh, Javante, late sixth, early seventh pick. Melvin Gordon, around later, seventh, eighth round-ish. I like Javante there. Uh, might be a guy that the first month of the season might be frustrating. Uh, we've seen some rookies, you know, kind of have to um, earn that role and get worked in gradually over the season. But if Gordon gets injured at all, Javante's just immediately going to be a workhorse. And I think by the end of the season, he will be that starter and a potential league winner. So if you can get him in the seventh, do it. I like it. Uh, Cortland Sutton and the receivers. So Sutton and Judy are both going pretty much identical ADP uh, mid-seventh round. And if I'm taking one, it's Judy, guys. Uh, if you take one thing away from this episode, Jerry Judy's going to break the fuck out this year. Jerry Judy is going to emerge 
potentially as a top 10 fantasy receiver this year. I think he's going to put himself into the conversation as not just one of, but the best route runners in the entire NFL. Um, This guy was doing really explosive things after the catch in preseason week one. And I think it's not even a question, in my opinion, that he overtakes the number one receiving role from Cortland Sutton in this offense. Sutton got injured last year, did not play. I like Sutton. Sutton is a bigger, more physical receiver. He is kind of the Des Bryant archetype um, where he's going to go and beat guys on contested catches. He's a big red zone target, big jump ball guy. Judy's the technician. And if I'm building an offense, give me the route runner over the contested catch guy every time. It's great to have physical freaks like Julio Jones and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown who can kind of do all of it, but there's not that many guys in the NFL like that. Sutton's not a guy like that. Sutton's really good, but Sutton is not going to be making guys look foolish on his routes and and get that separation that I really desire as a true stud number one read. I think Judy has the ability to make corners look absolutely terrible and just break ankles all over the field. So I'm in on Judy in the seventh. I don't hate Sutton, but I just, I, if I'm targeting one of these guys, it's not even a question. It's Judy for me. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, KJ Hamler's a guy you guys should know. I mentioned him going into his second year out of Penn state, second round pick super fucking fast. 80-yard deep bomb from Drew Locke in preseason week one. Just keep an eye on him. He's not being drafted, probably not drafting him. But, you know, if you're in a deep league, a best ball, a dynasty guy to know about. Tim Patrick's the fourth receiver. Not going to talk about him much, but he played decent last year, uh, given an expanded role when Sutton and Judy were dealing with injuries. Uh, Tim Patrick's a guy you should know for depth purposes, but not a guy you're drafting. And then we'll finish with the tight ends. Noah Fant, another guy I'm obsessed with, uh, but for fantasy, I'm probably not going to have a lot of Noah Fant this year. I had him everywhere last year. Noah Fant was my dude last year, like number one tight end I was targeting in every single league. I figured he would immediately step in as Drew Locke's safety blanket, which he kind of did. They had some pretty good chemistry, uh, especially early. Weeks one and two, I thought I definitely had – like I, I thought I hit a home run on Noah Fant. And then the production just wasn't there. He dealt with some injury issues last year. The offense was anemic. It just didn't work out statistically. And his ADP, people noticed the talent and the potential. So his ADP has actually gone up like four or five rounds this year, even though he had a pretty disappointing year for fantasy. It's kind of weird. Um, it's like people were expecting him to break out, and then he didn't break out but he, his ADP has still risen this year. So he's going around like the seventh round in most fantasy leagues. And that's, I'm just not in love with that. There's other tight ends. I'd rather target around two rounds, four rounds later. Um, So I'm just not like really into investing that high of a pick, like the middle rounds where you're talking about like a, uh, like a Kyle Pitts or a Noah Fant. I usually try and avoid those guys. I think the guy I like best in that range this year is TJ Hawkinson. Um, but other than that, I'm really not in love with drafting tight ends in that middle of the draft. It's like you either take one of the top three guys or you sit back and you kind of stream and you kind of find a, a diamond in the rough. Last tight end that I'll mention, Noah Fant's backup, but a, an explosive guy, a guy with potential 
long-term, more of a dynasty diamond in the rough, just a guy for depth purposes that you should know. Also, I like to challenge myself with these difficult last names. So this guy, um, fourth round pick last year, I believe, Albert Aquigbunum. 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 That's it. Aquigbunum. Albert Aquigbunum. He's really big. He's talented. You know, just look look him up. Uh, not a guy that you're going to touch for fantasy, but a guy that you should know because he's the second tight end. If Fant gets injured, knock on wood, um, you know, uh, a Quake Bunam should come into a role. That's fun, man. I'm glad I got that one down. That's a lot like uh, took me a little while, but uh, I think I hopped on um, being able to pronounce Antetokounmpo successfully really early. I had like not a lot of people knew who that guy was. People were still calling him the Greek freak. And I said, no, no, his name is Antetokounmpo. So um, that's it, guys. Akwe Bunam, shout out. Dope name. That's it. That's the AFC West. That's SGR 20. We're getting out this bitch tomorrow. We're talking about the NFC West, another really fun division. So I'm looking forward to that. As always, thank you guys for listening and ramble on.